The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. To another episode of Riffs and Rants, everybody. My name is Michael Sean Lee, and before we get into today's main topic, I want to turn the mic over here to my partner Johnny Teflon. 
who has a very special editorial. All right. Thank you, Michael Sean Lee. And before I get started, everybody, please excuse me because I'm going to drop a character, which is better than dropping trail, and speak in the language of my people from the New York, New Jersey region. I was born in Queens, New York, Rockaway, to be exact. My nuclear family moved to New Jersey when I was six months old, but the remaining extended family on both sides remains in Brooklyn and Queens. I grew up rooting for the Giants, Mets, Knicks, and Rangers. I can still rattle off the lineup of the 86 Mets, and I can still make excuses for Lawrence Taylor, obviously the greatest linebacker of all time. Some of my earliest sports memories involve being taught that it's our preordained disposition as New Yorkers to show nothing but disdain upon the city and sports fans of Philadelphia. Why, you ask? Because Philadelphia has long been bereft of the redeeming qualities of our nation's forefathers and taken on the identity of the Big Apple's unsavory little brother, the Raisin. Nobody likes raisins. Raisins are often passed off on the young and the ignorant as delicacies until they get a taste and then they realize there ain't nothing savory about a raisin. The most prolific sports hero of the raisin has ever produced is, is a fictional character. He's an Italian boxer who was woefully undersized for a, a heavyweight, much like the Philadelphia sports market itself. The Philadelphia fan base is known for its crass belligerence towards fans of other teams and delight in making them feel, at best, uncomfortable to come out and support their squad. This goes far beyond any accepted booze and catcalls and generally involves antagonistic and violent behavior. Go figure. All this and more is well known to the average New Yorker. Why then, in the name of Mickey Mantle, did the proprietors of the Empire State Building landmark amongst landmarks deem it necessary or acceptable to bathe old Deco in green and white to celebrate the Philadelphia Eagles' entry into Super Bowl 57. An Eagles team, mind you, that had unceremoniously dispatched the New York football giants only a week earlier. Quasimodo wasn't this tone deaf. Yay, read the room, Helen Keller. Whatever the intention, or whatever the agenda, it flies in the face of common sense and the New York state of mind. It was an insult to every fan of every New York team, and really... Who passes up an apple for a shot of a raisin and rant? And that, as they say, is that. Hey, my name is Paul, and this is just between y'all. You feel better now, Johnny. Uh, I, I, I do. You got a little something off your chest with that one. I, I did. Think. I was just, uh, like, like many New Yorkers, enraged to see the green and white. I mean, to put it in perspective, they don't even do that for the Jets. For, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I'm from Boston, and it's kind of funny because, like, coming out of that editorial, I felt my Boston coming on, you know, like, hey, what are you fucking talking about here? What? What? But, like, even when I saw that, it was like, oh, shit, here it comes. Right. Yeah, I, I saw know? that, and I definitely wanted to beat somebody about the hands and the, the head in the face. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, it's sacrilegious. That was absurd. Sacrilegious. It was absolutely absurd. That being said. Yes, our uh, opening jam this <laughs> evening. <laughs> that was some good fun. Yes. Uh, for those of you in, not in the know, that was uh, the band Alice Cooper uh, doing Elected from their sixth album, Billion Dollar Babies, in 1972. Now, band, do you mean collection of musicians or well, band as in get out of here? Uh, <laughs> a little bit of both. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize now because he is the personality, Alice mm -hmm. Cooper. But back yep. then, the band was called Alice Cooper. And, and, uh, and that was very much the band Alice Cooper doing their thing. Yep. Uh, Billion Dollar Babies was an amazing album, yeah. uh, legendary album for its time. And uh, the song hit the Billboard Top 10, needless to say, it was an election year. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and interestingly enough, we were talking about this before the show, uh, according to Alice, uh, Johnny Ramone did acknowledge the similarities between <laughs> Elected and the Ramones classic, <laughs> I Want to Be Sedated. Point for me. Indeed. <laughs> So yeah, um, that uh, we played that for a reason, didn't we? Of course we did. Yes. And yeah, you know, I'll just chime in with the Alice Cooper thing. He's one of those artists that the character eventually overshadowed the music. This is true. And people forget, you know, now they see it as a wrinkly old guy, surprisingly younger than he looks. Yep. that's good at golf and has a syndicated show, which yeah. by the way is really really good. Yeah. And uh, the truth of the matter is, back in the day, Alice Cooper rocked. Yeah. You know, the, and let's say it. The way it should be, the Alice Cooper band. They, oh, yeah. they rocked. Well, they, they took uh, probably uh, what was uh, Screaming Lord Such 
mm-hmm. uh, his act back in the day, and they took it to a whole new level. Wow, that's you know, an the, obscure reference, indeed, folks. Indeed, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, it you know they they were doing performance art before mm-hmm. performance art was being done. Yep. And of course, you know, uh, people like Marilyn Manson have since picked up the uh, picked up the torch and run with it and whatnot. But back then it was breaking new ground. And you, mm-hmm. if you wanted to see a show, yeah. you went to see Alice Cooper. Yeah, and really without Alice Cooper there was there was never gonna be a kiss. No doubt. Couldn't survive in that environment. Yeah. Um, and he like say from some other notable acts, he you know took the torch even from uh, the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Yeah, you know, there's another just, one, sure. It, it was like it was like the guy the kids would watch on TV, that Sven Gulli dude. But here he is, like singing and rocking out. It's like, woo. Mm-hmm. And right. what was what was absolutely essential back in the day. And you know, anyone under twenty one listening to this, pay attention, take notes. That scared the shit out of the parents. Oh yeah, massively. You know, and that's what <laughs> what you know as a kid. What that's part of your job. That's in your resume. Is the music. That you're listening to has to scare your parents. Otherwise, you're not doing it right. Exactly. You got to push that envelope, kids. Get to it. In message. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. And as you said, my friend, of course, the opening gem uh, reflects the agenda we have. Yeah. At least for the first half of the show. Right. And it's wow. How, how do you pigeonhole this one? Well, kind of like the title of today's episode: donkeys, elephants, and morons. Perfect. We are, um, you know, before anybody bemoans the state of uh, quote-unquote politics as usual, they should take a moment to assess those individuals that we, as a society, a free democratic society, have deemed worthy to represent us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this takes the eye-rolling thing and elevates it to the level of, like, your head exploding. Right. It's like, who voted for these? And guess what? Yeah. It's just... You know, John and Jane in the street. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And as we all highlight these three individuals. Yeah, they're the cream of the crop. <laughs> oh, man. You know, that's the, sarcasm. The tip, t- yeah. <laughs> tip of the iceberg. And granted, a lot of this, you know, as, as educated and, and worldly as you and I may be or like to fancy ourselves, yep. we still believe in our heart of hearts that somewhere deep down inside in a place we hate to admit, we expect in a democracy the size of ours, okay, mm-hmm. and with the purported intellect of the average American, to elect our best and brightest. Whatever happened to the best and brightest? They're gone. It Don't would appear. Just, woof. Yeah. <laughs> that Somebody, fire is out. Yeah, some of these knuckleheads. And yeah, this isn't... We, we're going to limit it to three mm-hmm. uh, today that we want to focus on just because of our... Week to week time on restraints. both sides of the aisle, no yeah, less. Yeah, you know. but uh, by no means is it only these three. Yeah, these are just uh, great examples of what the f is going on here. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so uh, leading it off, one from my side. Bring it, since uh, you, I know you've got uh, a copious amount of data to back yes, up our opinion. The senator from the great state of Pennsylvania. Yes, Oof. we were talking about John Fetterman. You um. rang. <laughs> The parallels to Lurch are undeniable. Yeah. They're undeniable. <laughs> God, I hope people who are listening to this know what we're talking about when we reference Lurch. Um, the everyman thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, not buying it. Yeah. Not buying it. Um, if you know, you're not familiar with, uh, with John Fetterman, this guy has an MBA from the University of Connecticut. He's got a ma- master's in uh, public policy from Harvard. I've been going to this high school for seven and a half years. I'm no dummy. Hmm. And, you know, again, you know, my current favorite voodoo doll to stick pins into, my favorite <laughs> toy to bash, Samuel Bankman Freed, is another great example of don't give me this everyman bullshit, please. Yeah. Ain't buying it. Ain't buying it. This guy's a career politician. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, prior to becoming the senator from the great state of Pennsylvania, this guy was uh, a lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, and prior to that, he was mayor of a town called Braddock in Pennsylvania. Guy's a career politician. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I'm going to throw some shade on my side. Uh, during the run-up, the election, when he was running against that quack, Dr. Oz, <laughs> um, you know, nobody wanted to say this because of... Uh, apparently the bullshit term now is ableism. Mm-hmm. This guy was impaired. Yes, he was. I mean, and no disrespect to him. The man had a stroke. Right, and no disrespect to stroke victims. Indeed. But the, the impairments that you suffer when you have a stroke are equal parts very serious and very real. Yeah, yeah. And because, unfortunately, 
uh, the margin of error in both the, uh, the Senate and the House these days is so tight. Uh, and for those of you who are living in a cave with poor Wi-Fi, uh, the Senate breakdown is 51 Democrats, 49 Republicans. Uh, there are three Indies, actually, who caucus with the Democrats. Um, so if they ever were to change their mind, goodbye majority. Mm -hmm. uh, the party breakdown in the House, 222 Republicans, 213 Democrats. That's a slim, slim Very. majority. And, uh, and yet yeah, nobody for any reason is saying no to anybody that could potentially win an election. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, but, you know, and again, one of these days, very soon, we're going to have a show where I'm going to go off in this ism bullshit. But, uh, you know, you got to call it like you see it. The reality yeah. of the situation was the man was impaired, but the Democratic Party couldn't afford to do an Al Franken on this man because, again, the margin of error is so slim. I think you stumbled in there on a landmine of truth, which will definitely make a reappearance in the show. Yeah. Um, if they can win, they're in. Because really, literally. That's, right, literally, that's where we're at. If that's you think the litmus can, test right, right there. And they will, they will pump money into their campaigns, which, whichever side they're, they're going for, yeah. as you'll see with our other examples. Jack the Ripper, you know what? If, if they thought the, uh, the surgical instrument lobbyists could actually yeah. get him into exactly. the White House. It they, plays well with the public. It right? plays well with the, uh, what do they call them, the, uh, the, the test, exactly. test crew or whatever. Well, there's a, we have a big lobby with people, uh, fans of top hats. We yeah. think they might swing us, you know, get us in there the White House. The scalpel people are all right. for this guy. <laughs> all for this guy. You know, the Let's Murder Prostitutes crew. It plays real well with them. You mean the evangelical? No. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anywho. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't edit anything to what you've just said because, yeah, I mean, look, impaired. And, you know, like or dislike Dr. Oz, the guy went up there and gave the, the standard yeoman's performance of doing okay in the debates. He had a platform, which at least apparently half the population seems to support. And he dressed well. And he dressed well. <laughs> but he went up against a guy who I think they had one debate. I think so. Which, yeah. you know, I can say, yeah, tip of the hat to Fetterman for even getting up there and, and doing that. The guy, the guy had some, some cojones for... <clears throat> for, for going for it. You right. know, I can't fault him for that. But, but again, we're living in a day and age now where we applaud um, the efforts of, of legendary uh, leaders with handicaps, but do not think you could put him in the mold of an FDR no. or William uh, Howard Taft's wife that you know, took care of him when he had a stroke in the White House or any of these, these people uh -huh. because he should not, in all common freaking sense, should not have won an election into an exclusive body such as the Senate of the United States of America. Well, there's a huge difference between something that impairs you physically, like FDR and polio, right. and something that impairs you mentally, like a stroke. Mm -hmm. Big, big difference. Or running a country when you're clearly suffering from the onset of dementia. Yeah, that. That, that old <laughs> chestnut. Uh, but wait a minute. That's ageism. <laughs> right. God, we can't say that either. Shit. Well, I'm over 50 now, so I can say whatever I want I about old say, fuckers. That, that yeah. pretty much gives us a pass, doesn't <laughs> totally. it? Totally. We can lob the Molotov cocktail. So moving on to our next example of yes. ineptitude. And or I'm, I'm going to call this cat just downright evil. Good God. And of course, now we're going to touch upon um, George, air quotes, can't touch me, I'm gay, end quote, Santos. Apparently so. It is that, that whimsical guy that pretty much lied about Everything. Yes, including his work history, <laughs> his financial status, his ancestry, his education, his college athletic status, his charity work, his property ownership, his crime victim status, his campaign financing, and his mother. But wait, if you call right now, he'll remind you that in spite of all that, he is in fact still gay. I think that's... Oh, he made eight, it a point to address that. Still gay. Still gay. Yeah. And oh, by the way, where'd the 700 grand come from? Yeah, that. Ticking time bomb? Now, here's a guy that uh, purportedly had said to one of his friends, who all came out and bashed him equally, which means he has no friends. Indeed. And they're like, yeah, he's always been kind of out there and, and shady, but more directly, as one friend had said, he's talked to him since all this went down, and he says yeah. he's not going to resign yeah. because his, his greatest goal is the lifetime benefits. <laughs> so it's kind of like... God. You know, and, and, and we have discussed this off, off air, and I will say again for, in front of everybody, um, as a dyed-in-the-wool Republican, 
I don't care how close the majority is. It literally, because you, you, you've got to take a stand someplace, yeah. you know? Yeah. And even if it means now that, well, shit, we, we've got to earn our keep and convince the people to vote with us and, you know, maybe change the complexion of the house that way. Yeah. Dump this fool because he's an embarrassment to everything the August body of the House of Representatives stands for. Oh, yeah. And you, you go through the same shit I go through when you, you cringe at, like, this guy's on our side? Right. Oh, my God. It's an embarrassment. Yeah, big red flag with this guy. I don't know how many people know this because I haven't heard it yet discussed, but he actually ran for the same seat in 2020 and lost. But back in 2020, he ran as George DeVolder. Right. Red flag. Yeah. I mean, laugh at him now, but let's get rid of him before he turns into like a Bond villain because he's got all the makings for it. Oh, it's it's written all over, written all over the place. And this day and age, really, who wears uh, a, a sweater underneath yeah. a sport coat as, as their ensemble? I mean, uh. and he's gay. I doubt it. <laughs> well, he lied about everything right? else. Why not? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So last, we, but certainly not least. Oh yeah, last and certainly not least, um, Matt again quotes: "She looked eighteen to me." Yes. <laughs> That's the guy that looks like uh, he's, he's trying to like cosplay JFK. Yeah, the freaky-looking Florida dude. Right? The freaky-looking Florida dude with, with the hair and the pompadour, the fake white teeth, the, um, the, uh, the slate-gray Cary Grant suit, as they say, which is yeah. a part of every successful person's oh, uh, yeah. uh, wardrobe if it was 1968. Right. This cat just has creep fest written all over him. He does. He does. And, and, and for those of us who are not in the know, mm-hmm. uh, our man Matt got accused of paying a 17-year-old for sex a few years back. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, and this was from a Washington Post story, so uh, it's worth <laughs> what you paid for it. But uh, apparently the, uh, the uh, people who are investigating this guy... Um, were advised that the the charges probably wouldn't stick uh, because the two there were two significant witnesses who apparently had credibility issues. Lies, oh lies! Um, not that this thing doesn't stink like a whorehouse in high tide, Johnny. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this guy's a bomb thrower and a half. You know, back in February 2019, he got into a tweet controversy with uh, with Michael Cohen, Trump. Former Trump lawyer Michael mm-hmm. Cohen mm-hmm. Uh, alleging allegations of infidelity both against him and his wife. And this, of course, was the day before Cohen was supposed to appear at a hearing. Probably had something to do with Trump, call it a guess. Right. And uh, so, of course, that brought on uh, allegations of witness tampering and witness intimidation. But this guy, this guy, since he's uh, a, not just a career politician, but he's from a family of politicians. Mm-hmm. He's from a lineage of politicians. He managed to squirm out of that, too. Yeah. Nothing sticks to this guy. Well, he's, he's like you said, he's got, the, he's got it in the family, and they're coaching him. And the thing that separates him from these other two clodhoppers that we mentioned is that he is a throwback to the, the 70s and 80s politician where... If you you look good and you sound good, you'll get in. Yeah. And all this guy is is, is just image. And really, I, I got to take my hat off to the, the public at large because they've all seen right through it. Yeah. And most recently, you know, he was the outspoken voice that was kind of trying to keep this cat McCarthy from becoming Speaker of the House. Talk about lesser of two <laughs> no. weevils, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the minute he comes in out of the, the closed-door meeting, he's voting for McCarthy and he's got a plum seat on one of the committees. You just, know? just, you know, if you could separate yourself from the absolute immorality and the lack of ethics here, yeah. I didn't, I actually admire this guy. I, didn't, I admire <laughs> Santos. It's like, wow, you pulled some shit off there, yeah. didn't you, boys? But again, it's like, when you, when you look at that and then you try and separate yourself from it, you're looking at clearly three individuals that have no place being in... And, and again, this is me being naive and idealistic, okay? Yeah. I yeah. don't want these three assholes in the hallowed halls of government yep. because they've been bought and sold so many times. <laughs> What's oh, that line from man. one of the movies? That this coke's been cut so many times, it's like baby powder, right? <laughs> it's been stepped on so many times. Yeah. None of them have, they just have no place being in there, and they're never going to amount. Look at all three of them and what they've done or what they propose to you know, maybe do. Yeah. They're not going to amount to dick, Yeah. okay? And again, tip of the iceberg, folks. And, you know, can anybody anywhere sell any of us on the idea that these people are the best and brightest? Right. And this is not to say, believe us, folks, that we're putting anybody that's already in there on any kind of pedestal. Not at all. 
But look, and I'll, I'll use the example from just this week as uh, AOC went up and gave a firebrand speech uh. after her buddy, the, the Turbinator. <laughs> I just made that up. I can use it. <laughs> Got bounced off the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee. I, I like that. Terrible. That's, that's pretty that's, badass. That's, that's i got to write that good. down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but she got up there, delivered a fire and brimstone speech. Uh, you know, look, it, whether it was valid or not, or you believed her, her views on the subject, regardless. Chuck full of identity politics, that rant was. It sure was. But yeah. you know what? I enjoyed the passion, especially from her, because it was probably the first non-scripted shit she's done. Really? And she's smacking a notebook on it. This is what I want. I want people that have something truly invested in their ass going to Washington. Right. That's, it's an agenda. It's a, it's a belief or whatever. It is, this is, you know, again, back to the guiding principles of this show, okay? Yeah. Yep. You and I might disagree a whole lot. And trust me, folks, we disagree we, yeah, more off mic do. than we ever do when we're on it. <laughs> yep. But at the end of the day, we're friends because there's respect there. Yeah. And we know that if either one of us won a lottery and got chosen to lead this country tomorrow, we'd do our damnedest to do it right. Absolutely. And to do it fair. Absolutely. And make everybody prosper. That's still what we're missing in, in, in our government. Yeah. And people are so close to getting it. We're yeah. living in it. We'll see it in our lifetime. I'd like to think and so. And however that manifests itself could be really friggin' scary. Yeah. But, yeah, before we take our last breath, we will. there will be a reckoning in this country, and everybody in Washington, it doesn't look good for you. <laughs> all right? And I'm saying this not as a proud boy or a non-proud boy or a relatively full of myself boy, whatever the in-between is. Yeah. It's just common sense. People are tired of paying you to have you go there and do nothing. Oh, yeah. Well, the warning shots have been fired. You know, the, 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 the Trump thing, the Bernie Sanders thing. Mm. You know, the, the public, you know, uh, very frustrating, obviously, on, on so many different occasions. But public is paying attention. Oh, they are. And, yep. and the public does have its, its bullshit limits. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, have been demonstrated, you know, as, yep. as benign as Bernie Sanders may seem to be. He was a rock that they threw right at the Democratic Party that was, was going to hit, and mm. it was going to hit hard. And it's kind of like a tidal wave. So I would say, I mean, because none of this is going to go down how we ever would have thought or how no, any, does. any sci-fi does. writer ever thought. This yep. isn't the Roman Empire. They clearly didn't have TikTok back then. <laughs> but it is kind of like a tidal wave of public opinion. And I say this because what's probably going to happen is that one of these days soon, whether it's a midterm or a presidential election, there's going to be like nothing for turnout. And yeah. everyone's going to be like, what, what is this? Why are people scratching their head? Yeah. That's, that's when the waters have receded, and now it's time for the wave to come in. Yeah. And that's when Joe and Jane in the street are going to voice their displeasure. And I'm just saying, yeah. stock up on Campbell's Soup now. <laughs> Four words, guys. None of the above. Yeah, none of the above. Yeah. Sad. Uh do we have a middle gem to lift us I, out of this malaise? We, 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 we do. <laughs> we actually have uh, that rare bridge gem that, 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 uh, that uh, is appropriate for both uh, our yes. main topic yes. and our subtopic. And this was, a, uh, this was a Johnny Teflon gem that I applaud wholeheartedly. And back at you, because the, uh, the Alice Cooper one was one of genius folks. I never saw it coming. <laughs> and I actually had a Van Halen tune on deck, and he blew me out of the water. So... Damn it and kudos at the same time. Yeah, but you counterpunched with Peter Gabriel. <laughs> it's like, damn. I went as 80s as possible, knowing that you would shrivel up like uh, a hermit <laughs> crab without a shell. And he did. But it does work, because we're going to play uh, uh, seminal Peter Gabriel hit big time, which is almost now solely representative of the decade of the 80s. Indeed. But we're doing it, and it's going to make so much more sense, especially as we get to the next topic. But, you know, it does do a shout-out to the first topic in so much as for these three ass clowns and the others to come, mm -hmm. celebrate your victory. Yeah, you've made it for now, Yeah, but your day is it's coming. It's going to come. We'll it's be back in a few minutes with some more things. And I'm on my way, I'm making it.
And in a nice way, even you enjoyed that. Yeah. I fully expected the snarky face. <laughs> but that, of course, is Peter Gabriel doing his uh, 1986 hit off the album. So that is big time. And, you know, if, if you look for witty anecdotes and whatnot off this, you're not going to find it. It is what it sounds like. Well, it's, it's one of those things that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, So was just a monster, monster album. And, you know, if you're going to tick off... A list of albums that define the 1980s. So is yep. on the list. I mean, they often play this song when they refer to the quote unquote big 80s, right? Because it's so just just 80s esque. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and and all the respect in the world to Peter Gabriel, weird dude that he is. He's the definition of an artist. Yeah, he really is. Because it's funny. Because if you, if you look at songs like this or Sledgehammer. You know, he didn't do anything like that when he was with Genesis. Yeah. But Genesis did stuff like this after he left. Yeah, funny how and that works. And Peter Gabriel, when he was like with Genesis, kind of looked like Tom Hanks in Castaway, basically. <laughs> yeah, and then true. he goes from that to he cleans up himself, has some pop hits, yeah. then dips back into, um, I don't know what you want to call it, the realm of true musicianship and, and, and poetry as lyrics. Yep. And then made an attempt in the early 90s to get back, but it just wasn't there. Yeah. yeah you can't dip in and out of that same no, no. jar. No, no. He'd been there and done that. He broke down the boundaries. And, yeah, it's kind of funny, and, and I'm definitely, definitely uh, dating myself, but in looking at the <laughs> video, you know, uh, in pre-show, uh-huh. it just it was like, wow, he looks so young. Yeah. You know? But he's one of you know those artists that had hit the holy grail in so much as... He's still respected. Absolutely. Yeah, he did whatever he wanted to do at the time. Yeah. Came back, and he's still anybody in the in the the music business and whatnot, or the, yeah. the true fans look at him with nothing but oh yeah, he's on a pedestal. He earned it. Yeah. You know, rarefied air where you can sell a That's gazillion albums yeah. and still maintain your artistic integrity. Exactly. So anybody would love to do stuff with him collaboratively and all. It's just it's where you want to be. So kudos to him. Indeed. And we played that one. Like I said, it kind of touched upon. The uh, the first segment with these ass clowns that we voted in office, <laughs> but now it reflects on our second 
uh, event because really it's that magical time of the year. Yeah. No, not WrestleMania, Mm-mm. which ironically we can say on the air. We can't. But Oh, good. The big game. Yes. You yes. know that thing with the pigskin ball and the 11 guys on both sides. The biggest holiday of the year. Yes. On multiple levels. Foreign governments know they figure you're going to attack the United States. You either do it on Christmas morning or, oh, Jesus, big game Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying big game, too, out of, out of a snarky protest to the yeah. fact that they don't let anybody, unless they've got commercial time during the big game, say anything but... The big game. Right, right. It's like, if we put the word super and bowl together, is it some kind of trigger or something? I guess it must be. Is that what it is? See, you just got us fine. Oh, That's, shit. I'm going to get the check in the mail now. Uh, the angry phone calls and oh, emails. Well. Here they come. Right, oh. Let me cue my standard response. Go shit in your hat. There you go. We're talking about the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, on that note, see, it feels better. I got it does. That on my it does. Felt like we cleared the air. Yeah, because the subtopic is all about the Super Bowl. So as, specifically, right now, the halftime show. <laughs> yeah. and we decided to talk about it since our beloved Patriots are home playing golf. <laughs> what is there this time of year to look forward to? Quick answer: nothing. But you yeah, can say yeah. the big game. Well, it is rare, you know, being Patriots fans, and and we're going to get hate mail for this, no doubt. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, that, that we're going to focus on something other than the game for a change. Sure. And it's weird. It's kind of like, okay, what, what what is it that everybody does when the team's not in the Or, the second part of that question, what do what these two clowns know about? Well, some would say music. This is true. And performance. Yes. And there's been some legendary halftime performances. And there's been some say. stinkers, which we're not going to... We're no, positive. No, no, yeah, no, from this no. point on. We're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's a disclaimer, folks. The rest of the show is very positive. Yep, very up, very because, happy. Because uh, we're going to kind of exchange some ideas here. You can, of course, play along at home. Yep. About um, three things in particular. I'm not going to force feed you to questions, but we got three. <laughs> and we're going to work through them together. No, it's not one of our top threes. It's, it's a different... It's a different kind of hybrid. Yeah. So the first question we'll pose to each other is, what is our personal favorite halftime performance of all time? What do you got, Michael? Tough call. Tough call. Uh, I'm going to throw out my honorable mentions first just to qualify my number one pick. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, the absolutely legendary Bruce Springsteen appearance in 2009. The lines, you know, I want you to step away from the guacamole dip. I want you to put the chicken wings down and turn the TV. That's probably the last blue-collar thing he ever did. Unfortunately. (laughs) But, yeah, when you sell your song collection for a quarter of a billion dollars. I was going to say, and now take the money you allotted for your car payment and buy a ticket to my next show. Yeah, there's your your everyman credibility just went right out the window. (laughs) But, But, hey, uh, positive, positive. Yeah, it's true, true, very good. And, of course, you know, a band near and dear to my heart, uh, the bad boys from Boston, Aerosmith in 2001, with Britney Spears. Was that pre-Meltdown, Britney? I think yes, it was. Yes, I think it was. Fun, fun show. And, you know, and this was, this was the fun thing about the topic, and I'm glad you brought it up, because it was kind of like a little trip down Mary Lane. It's like you kind of look at some of these, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, those guys, like, the Rolling Stones played the Super Bowl in 2006. Yep. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. That was great fun. You know, and of course, you two blew the doors open. You know, back in two thousand two. Mm-hmm. You know, the very emotional first post nine eleven show, and uh, and yeah, just just great fun looking back at this stuff. But you know, the number one all time, you know, gave me shivers performance, mm-hmm. and and obviously not alone in this was of course uh, Prince's two thousand seven halftime show. Right. In Super Bowl XLI, mm-hmm. which for the uninitiated in Roman numerals was Super Bowl Forty One, <laughs> but uh, but just just stunning, absolutely stunning performance yeah. down in Miami, and a great great, just unique to Prince anecdote for that show. I'm sure everybody remembers uh, everybody that's our age um, remembers that. It was pouring rain. It mm-hmm. was a just a merciless downpour. Just added to the atmosphere. Yeah. Well. Apparently, the producers came to Prince before the show, or before the halftime show, and they were worried because he had some dancers on stage, typical of Prince, that were wearing stilettos. Right. Hell, Prince was probably wearing stilettos. <laughs> and they were like, you know, we're a little worried the stage is going to be slippery. And according to the producer, Prince, and you got to believe this because it's so Prince, asked them if they could make it rain harder. <laughs> You know, I don't even care if that's just made up bullshit and it didn't right. happen. That's just beautiful. That's yeah. just Prince all the way, you know. And as I recall, I mean, you'll get no argument out of me because that was just, 
that was like on a level of a happening. Yeah. I mean, talk about old-timey terms. Here's That one goes out to our <laughs> listeners that are in their 50s and 60s. But, you know, a, a happening is an artistic term when everybody gets together and something syncopatic and magical happens and everybody's part of it. Oh, yeah. That performance transcended Super Bowl halftime performances. And yeah. just, again, just on our opinion. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember watching it. And when they went into Purple Rain mm-hmm. to close his set, and of course they went into Purple Rain to close the set. It was right. kind of like everybody was waiting for it. And the rain really started coming down. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my God. And he was having the time of his life oh, on the guitar solo. Oh, you did just the dude was in his element. Yeah. It was his wheelhouse, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it was just. I, I still get shivers just thinking about sure, that night. Sure, sure. It was incredible. I mean, originally, uh, yeah, I can't beat that one, folks, but here's my moment's <laughs> entry. Uh, originally, I thought of uh, U2's performance after yeah. 9-11. Not that I'm in any way, shape, or form a giant U2 fan, because I'm not, in all disclosure. Yeah. But when Bono opened up the lining of his jacket and it was the American flag, I marked out for that. And, um, I'm, and I'm glad it was a band... The, the magnitude of U2 yeah. with the worldwide presence of U2 because yep. we could have went the other way and had a medley of, of Toby Keith singing songs about bombing brown people oh, yes. and it would or, not have rang as, as true as yeah. or what was the, the, the up with people shit oh well that's what they do. did before they first coaxed Michael Jackson to perform this is true yeah. and MJ. I think he was the first like big banger yep. uh, halftime performer yep. but yeah every year and I know most of our listeners weren't alive for this <laughs> but they would have this bullshit called up with people uh, which is like ghetto kids and like dressed up like mummers right? i guess danced around or nobody rallied for that halftime show no you know? that was now, a pee break is yeah that what that was? exactly <laughs> you know nowadays you know it, it's the party and you're watching the commercials and everybody runs into the living room where the big screen is to see the halftime right. show. And that's when you've got the best commercials. That's when you've got these marquee acts. That's when, if there's going to be another talking point other than the game, that's when it's going to happen. Yeah. Thank you, Janet Jackson's titty. <laughs> no doubt. That was crazy. That Craziness. was completely crazy. Craziness. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, 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 there were some halftime shows that... It's almost like okay, let's just let's just stop right here because yeah. it's not going to get any right. better. And, and we're staying positive, so we're not going to talk about the ones that didn't work. Ugh. Now, just as as a sub note, you know, if I had to pick one other than the Prince one, yeah, it would have been uh, the year they had Bruno Mars and the Red Hot Chili nice. Peppers jumped yes. out, yeah, because Bruno Mars is an amazing entertainer. He was so in his element, yep, and all of his songs being fast paced, they were easily adaptable to that medley format, which they have to do now. Yep, you know. Think about how hard that is, even to somebody like Springsteen. So oh, yeah. all of your, your lead-ins mm-hmm. and your atmospheric tracks where shit's got to happen, throw all that out the window. Yeah. you got to hit it hard and fast and heavy. Choke it down to 12 minutes. Right. Yeah. And you would think that would have worked for, arguably, my second favorite band, The Who, when they came out. Right. But that show sucked because they were into like two-minute segments of all their hits crammed into 15 minutes. It doesn't fit for the who. It doesn't. It, it, doesn't. it does not. There yeah. was no sonic symphony. They didn't have time for it. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a great call because Bruno Mars is an amazing, amazing talent. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I was, I was truly surprised when you know, the Chili Peppers were suddenly there. It was yeah. like, wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, and, and of course, we talked about this too. Honorable mention for the, uh, the Hollywood concept when Dr. Dre got Eminem together yeah. and Snoop and I mean, that that was, yeah, I get it. That made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Kind of fell flat, though. Kind of a little bit. I just, I don't know, maybe the hype superseded yeah. a little bit. You know? It looked too good on paper to pass up, but well, it didn't execute. It's hard to wrap your brain around the idea that you can have too much talent on stage at one time. Right. And I think that, unfortunately, was the case with that crew. Yeah. I mean, just any one of those guys. It was the Ishtar of halftime performances. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much so. All right, so moving on to query number two. Yes. Who would we respectively like to see do the halftime show before they die? This was a fun one to contemplate. <laughs> this really was. Because it was just like so many different scenarios. And there's so many rock stars dying. Uh, so yeah. we have a little uh, sense of yeah, immediacy here. Yeah, well, it kind of <laughs> released us from the bonds of reality, you know, and a lot allowed us to like fantasize a little bit, which is where I came up with, you know, my dream call and my mm-hmm. kind of more along realistic lines call. Well, they do have to be alive. See, this that's, that's what makes it spicy. Yep, yep. So what'd you come up with? Um, the dream call, and I will be the first to say that, you know, this is very, very 
a very real possibility that, that the opportunity has come and gone on this one. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine a Led Zeppelin reunion? That would be amazing. For the halftime show with the three surviving members, John Paul Jones, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. They grab Jason Bonham, John Bonham, mm-hmm. late John Bonham's son, throw him on drums, which they've done before, yep. and they blow up the halftime show. And a dark stadium with all the lights of fireworks erupting as they start cashmere. Cashmere, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That and look, if just... it's in Minnesota, they could do Immigrant Song. There you go. I'm fine. I'll meet them halfway. <laughs> but yes, open air stadium, regardless of the weather, please open with cashmere. Oh, my God. The, the fireworks exploding <laughs> and then da-da-da. Yeah, right into yep. that. Oh, my God. I want a Johnic animatronic Godzilla to come out. Just, just do it all. <laughs> yeah. Do it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, the reality choice um, <laughs> would be Pearl Jam. Which I was like, meh, with... Because nothing yeah. about grunge says celebration to me, and I think that's got to be a part of yeah. the halftime well, show. Well, you actually had a good counter to that, which would be like a grunge combo, like right. well, super grunge Because that's the direction, bands. yeah, that they're going in these yeah. days. Yeah, very much. It's it's very, I mean, and plus, it, it's kind of like, you know, again, thinking of a boardroom thumbs up, thumb, thumbs down guy. Yeah. You really got to be married to somebody if they're your only performer, okay? Whereas, like we use an example of Bruno Mars. He was untested in a a scene of that magnitude. Yeah. So if nothing else, you got the Red Hots able to run out there as like a just-in-case, Yeah. okay? Yeah, just in case it ain't working. Right. (laughs) And if you think about it, the last, I don't know, 10 at least performances have always had that other act and yeah. normally unannounced too. We yeah. just kind of wander around. And I was like, oh, this is great. So kind of like a plane, you need a co-pilot because you yeah. never know when the, when the lead guy is going to say, you know what, I'm flying a sucker into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or God forbid they use it as a political platform. Oh, yeah. Go oh, off the script. Jesus, that would be you know that's, that's coming yeah. in the next couple of years. That, that will happen. But yeah, you're right. There, there are very, very few performers who could carry that. Like right. Sir Paul McCartney yep. uh, comes to mind or Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, all the ones you mentioned, Prince, I mean, Obviously, not coming back for another one. Yeah. But yeah, there's very few like marquee acts that could just hold their own. Yep. So, on that note, I went with what I'd like to see yep. kind of another amalgamation of two groups. Yeah. Foo Fighters and Van Halen. Nice. With David Lee Roth. And you know what? I don't even give a shit. Drag out Sammy for, for a high note song. <laughs> I don't care. This way, we'll get my Anthony the hatchets, too. guys. Bring them all Seriously, out. Seriously, it's the freaking Super Bowl. And before Eddie died, it was like every year Van Halen would come up as like a possible act, a possible yeah. act. Yeah. And they never pulled the trigger. Wow. Better late than never. Yeah. Do it. And, you know, look, the Foo Fighters, they're always welcome on my table. And one yeah. of the things I like about them so much is that they always let anybody up on stage with this them. This is true. They this have a true. very strong sense of, of rock history and those acts that have come before oh, more yeah. easily more than anybody else. Well, there's, there. there's no pretension there. I mean, right. they've, they've appeared with Huey Lewis. They've appeared with Rick Astley. Yep. You know, the foos don't care. If it rocks, they're doing right. it. Right. And if know? it doesn't rock, they'll help make it rock. They'll make it right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they could easily compensate Dave's vocals once his throat explodes after the third <laughs> note and then Sammy rolls in or whatever. But yeah, I, I as a fan of both bands yeah um, i i would like to see that that would be insane yep. yeah that would that would blow it up agreed and now here comes the the rub as they say yeah big question folks and we and michael and i've debated this back and forth and we'll give you our honest opinions on this one uh it pertains just to us two yep if in some magical happenstance we were to win a lottery now they're going to hear this and probably do this next year frito lay is <laughs> going to do this watch uh would we Meaning the Riffs and Rants podcast. Yes. Rather perform at halftime a shrunken segment of this show in front of an audience of billions. Yeah. Or have a free commercial for the Riffs and Rants podcast during yeah. halftime. That uh, that's a heavy duty thing to contemplate because if we if we were to do a commercial, obviously we would be in control of the whole thing from start to finish, mm-hmm. and. And well, you would hope. You'd, you'd hope, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and, you know, chances are, with the right people, we would employ the right people, throw a bunch of money around, mm-hmm. since we're fantasizing here. And, yeah, we'd come up with a commercial that would, that would, that would do the job, yeah. so to speak. But if we were to make a live appearance, you know, that's, that's rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. Because if we blew it, 
that would be career devastation. We'd, which, be, we'd be all done yep. in, in this world and in this life and the next. Which, oddly enough, folks, that was my big take on it. I said to, to Michael, I'm like, well, what if we went out there and sucked? Mm-hmm. What if we were like up with people? <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, these two suck. I'm going to take a leak. I, let's make some more hoagies or whatever. Can you imagine tanking in front of one? Point five billion people. Right. I mean, we wouldn't oh. even be like infamous. Nobody would tune in ever. Would re- ever again. Redefine we career would be run devastation out of town on a rail. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's like you you took the biggest opportunity and you tanked it. Right. Ugh. But but <laughs> on the flip side, right. If if we were to marginally succeed, if oh. if we appealed to half the people watching, or God forbid, we nailed it, or God forbid, we nailed it. Narrowed the work another day in our lives. Sky's the limit. So it makes you think. It does. Makes it you think. truly does. And that's probably the question that everybody who agrees to make that appearance asks themselves. You know, if we do this and we nail it, you know, we're going to be, you know, recollected in the company of the Bruce Springsteens and right. the princes and whatnot. And if we, pardon my language, fuck this up. Yep. Up with people. And you nailed it. But, of course, uh, standing in the corner of the room is the $25 million payday they get for doing this. So, that, that, you know, $25 million is a nice massage. Yeah, we could laugh all the way to hell. It would be like, thank you. Good night. So, you know, my answer to the question is, all things being equal, I will stay true to character, which is not always a character. It's, it's the real me. Indeed. They call me one take Johnny for a reason. Indeed they do. And I do not know the meaning of stage fright. Never have, never will. Mm-hmm. I would sit down there, even if it's like with a hologram of you. We're doing it live. <laughs> and in the words of Bill O'Reilly. No. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Yes, that. Indeed. Just like he said. Indeed. Because, um, yeah, you go big or go home. That's yeah, all. Yeah. You only got e- one shot in this life. Yeah, either you're a player or you're not. Yep. Yeah. So, shall we, uh, shall we bust a third gem, Johnny? Let's do a third gem. An uplifting. Thank God, because I'm so tired of like yeah, we're, fourth gems yeah, and fade we're out. We're keeping it on the up tonight. We're yes. keeping it on the up. And yes, thank God nobody died this week. <laughs> of um, note. But, uh, but, yeah, for everybody... Uh, he was at the pinnacle, and we were talking about this. If you're a professional football player and you're standing on the sidelines mm-hmm. as they're playing the anthem, you, you've reached the pinnacle of your profession. Yep. It, it doesn't get any better than that. It is truly a beautiful day. It is. And with that, we're going to play A Beautiful Day by you two, and we'll be back in a couple minutes to explain and celebrate and wrap this shindig up. is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room No space to rent in this town You're out of luck And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere You thought you'd found a friend Take you out of this place Someone you can lend a hand In return for grace It's a beautiful day Love this time 
feel so much better already. So uplifting. <laughs> I know. Ah, yes. Ah. So anyway. Anyway, we anyway. got a, you must have a witty <laughs> anecdote of that song. Well, of course. That As we're enjoying two. the afterglow. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> just savoring it just for a minute. Uh, that was you 2 doing Beautiful Day. That was, of course, off their 2000 album, All That You Can't Leave Behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that song was a monster for you 2 It won everything. It yeah. won a Grammy, an Oscar, an Emmy. Uh, every single reward in the known universe that song got. It was, it was just huge. And... Uh, and YouTube knows it. And <laughs> since, its de- since its debut during the, uh, the 2001 Elevation Tour, that song has been played at every single YouTube live show. So, three things you can depend on in life death, taxes, and if you see YouTube, <laughs> they're going to play Beautiful Day. And as I said <clears throat> to you when we were discussing off, off the show, off air, um, <laughs> yeah, right? You know, U2, it's a band I've never been in love with, but I respect the hell out of. Because, look, success is, it is what it is. You can't argue with success. Indeed. And yet, they've gone through different phases, and they were very, very smart and savvy to jump onto the the Apple thing during the heyday of the iPod. Yeah. And you would get those commercials almost like every week. A new artist, uh, they would play their song. The commercial was so simple. They would play the new song, and then in a colored, solid silhouette would be somebody dancing around. And I admit, I fell for it. Yeah. And in my weekly poker games, which you think would be a bastion of classic rock favorites and right. Johnny craziness, right. would often you know fit those songs in there. Nice. And for me, it was almost like a resurgence of interest in bands like you too yeah because i was like oh look it's just it's hard hitting it's uplifting it's good yeah i gotta incorporate this yeah you know another one i use all the time was that uh, song by feist uh teenage dream one two three four <laughs> you know or any of those yeah. ones that i would yeah. see on there i think the cannonballs had one on there so i played you know the uh, breeder rather playing cannonball yeah just just you know it, it, it worked and they're so savvy in that way oh, just God, like yeah. bono has been so savvy to take a band that was a, a new wave act, essentially. Quite honestly, yeah. Into not just mainstream rock and roll, but a global presence. Yeah. Very smart, man. Oh, what they've, what they've accomplished is astounding. And unless you're you 2 of the Ramones, if you're going to be an artist with longevity, or if you have longevity, you have to constantly reinvent yourself. Yeah. And you 2 are absolute masters at that. Yep. And if for no other reason than the fact that they go way out on a limb and then they go back to... You know their basic rock and roll sound or whatever, and everybody is like, "Yay!" They went back to their roots, <laughs> you know. So they're masters at that as right. well. And yeah, Bono's a sharp, sharp dude. And politically speaking, while they tend to lean towards what most would consider liberal causes, and as a result, vilify those on the right, it was extremely classy of him to embrace and celebrate the contributions that uh, George Bush. Jr. Yeah. had made towards the fight for AIDS in Africa. Oh, yeah. And he came right out and said, like, look, not for nothing, you can't dispute what he's done yep. and, you know, uh, applaud where people do the right thing. And oh, it was yeah. kind of that nice little bipartisan moment in oh, yeah. music. Well, Bono is blind to partisanship. It's like if he has a cause and he's trying to accomplish something, anybody that will help him achieve that goal, he will sit down right. and talk to. Unlike, of course, I don't know, Alec Baldwin <laughs> or Sean Penn. Scumbag. See, I'm fair. I mentioned two liberals. You did. So you did. I'm getting on, better. On the list. I'm on getting the better. List. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> bravo. Bravo for your progress, Johnny. I'm Teflon. a big boy now. <laughs> so anyway. Anywho. What's going on in Big Boom Radio this week, Johnny? Well, I tell you what, my friend, for the first time in a long time, I can say there's a lot going on at Big Boom Radio. Nice. Uh, well, let's start with this. Okay. Um, wow. Saturday morning, 70s. One of our it's more back. beloved shows. Yes, it's, nice. it's back. Uh, it's 10 a.m.s every Saturday morning, and it's just celebrating the, the music and the culture of the 1970s. Nice. Uh, from every aspect. Now, musically, like most of our shows, yeah. it's, it's uh, more all-encompassing than a standard classic rock format. Right. So on Saturday morning 70s, depending on the theme, we're celebrating disco, R&B, soul, Rock, classic rock, glam rock, acid rock, you so, name it. So if I want to hear Seals and Crofts, I can it might show tune up. in to... Right. Yeah, nice. And on a good day, there's always a dose of education coming in the way of a snippet from Schoolhouse Rock. 
Wow. And it's some type of memory I might have from my garbled youth about, <laughs> you know, shag carpeting and, and TVs that doubled as, you know, medicine cabinets. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. Everything was just so much simpler then. It would seem. That new, that new wave catching fire across the country called Star Wars. Oh, yeah. All kinds of neat stuff I, like I that. I think I remember that Bruce film. Jenner when he was a man. I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> Six million dollar man and woman. How's yeah. that for quality? Nice. We will make him better, stronger, and faster. Right. They never said, though, that the binary woman was actually five million nine hundred ninety nine thousand dollars really it, there was no equality it, back it's then. the way it was back then i mean seriously <laughs> but she could make a sandwich in three seconds oh <laughs> see oh, still God. me i'm grown from the audience yeah so there's that but the big 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 news yes is that we're migrating our station from one hosting service formerly live 365 oh Pause for effect. Into um, well, let's just say the, the the big wide world of kind of doing it ourselves. Okay. Um, and not that I'm one to throw stones unless nah. it's absolutely warranted. It'd be very out of character for you, right? Yeah. I figure some of our audience might say. Gee, Johnny, you've been with Live 365 for four years now. Has it been that long? Yeah, it has. Why the big switch? Mm, Twix, tell. I will say, yes. their uh, business model is if you include commercials in your day-to-day broadcasting, which anyone who listens to Big Boom Radio knows that we have, yes. you accue ad revenue based on the listeners That's and how the- many... Commercials they sit through. That's the theory. Right. It's the theory. So the way Live 365 works is that the onus is upon you as the station owner Mm. to contact them every month, open a ticket, and say, could you please tell me how much money you owe me for this Mm. ad revenue? Mm. I sense we're burning a bridge here. Oh, yeah. We are. Nice. And I've been, hey, I've been a good soldier for four years. Now, there was a time when nobody listened to this station. This is true. So it didn't matter. But guess what? We're breaking records now with our own <laughs> little world because people send to like whatever it is that we do day to day. Yep. So yeah, I always drifted back into my New York accent. We're again. talking to you, Paris. <laughs> right? Hello, Paris, France. And yeah, frankly, I, I just felt it was time for a change. We could do better. We deserve better. There we and go. I'm not going to chase somebody to reward me for the efforts that I'm, I'm putting in. Hey, why burn a bridge when you can blow it the hell up? Which we have. So there if anybody go. ever wants to know about my uh, you know, the experiences with Live 365, including the good folks at Live 365, who <laughs> tend to lately been blowing up my mailbox with uh, tell us how we did type surveys. Too little, too late. Much too little, too late. Um, yeah, just uh, didn't work for me. If you want to know why, whatever, send us an email uh, directly to john at bigboomradio.com. And keep in mind that everything I just said is not liable because it's true. There we go. And I've got printouts and emails to prove it. So <laughs> jog on. Goodbye, yeah. Live 365. And the offshoot is, but we'll have the transformation complete by the end of the month, unless, of course, they've listened to this and they'll cut us off now. Right. Uh, but, yeah, you should experience maybe a little hiccup in the uh, in the daily playing of the station. But 1,000% by the end of the month, everything's back to normal with quite possibly, wait for it, a commercial-free format wow. like we did have originally. Ooh, going back to the old days. Because who wants commercials? This is true. I'll tell you who wants commercials. People mm-hmm. who listen to Pandora and Spotify and every other service <laughs> in the universe. Already, our basic rotation list is going to hit 48 hours. So, no, you will not hear the same song two days in a row. All right. You know who else does that? Yes. Nobody. There you go. Sorry. Sorry, Sirius. I'm looking at you, too. <laughs> I love your stations, but you know what? I'm tired of hearing the same shit every hour on the hour. This is true. Just saying. Mm-hmm. So on that note, it's a celebratory note. <laughs> Everybody, please enjoy the big game yes. and one of those few slices yes. of Americana. Biggest holiday in the world. Totally. And they haven't taken that from us yet. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so until then, everybody, keep being you. Keep on rocking. And I am Johnny Tefla. And I am Michael Shanley. And we will see you on the flip side. <laughs>